A lot of you are familiar with the DNA Project and have been rocking with us for a while, but some of you aren't. A lot of you are faithful listeners of the podcast, but aren't familiar with some of the other work that we do. So I just want to take a quick moment to explain to you a little bit more of what we do. So you're getting married, or you have a friend, a cousin, a sister, somebody you know is getting married. Okay. You've booked your venue, caterers, photographer, all that good stuff. When it comes to live music, most people have no idea where to look. We have you covered. Picture this. During the ceremony, while guests are being seated, or while the bride's walking down the aisle. During the cocktail hour, while guests are just mingling and having a good time. Don't forget about dinner music. That's very important to set the mood while guests eat. And we definitely can't forget the party. Let's get the party started right now with The DNA Project. www.thednaproject.ca for more information. Today's episode of The DNA Airwaves is brought to you by The DNA Project, your entertainment agency. Please visit thednaproject.ca for more details. It's also brought to you by The MPL, Toronto's modular film and audio studio. Please check out the-mpl.com for more details. This is The DNA Airwaves. Yes, hello, bonjour, and wagwan, everybody. Thank you for listening to The DNA Airwaves. My name is Dariki, and I'm here with my co-host, Anthony. How you doing, sir? Hey, doing well, Dariki. How's it going, man? Good, man. Can't complain. Can't complain. Still alive, blessed, and highly favored. Sounds good. Today, we're here with uh, Justin Russo, who is the program director for the Music in Memory organization. Justin, thank you so much for joining us. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Justin, we're so glad that you're able to join us today. As you may know, we are an entertainment agency, so primarily we use music to entertain. We work with musicians um, for live events, mainly recorded work. Um, but we've taken an active interest in the work that you do over at the Music and Memory program. Uh, very interested in you know, some of the other aspects of music and its powers especially in how it relates to the mind. If you could, can you just tell us you know, how the organization got started? Uh, I'd be happy to, sure. So Music and Memory started um, with the understanding that music is really deeply rooted in our conscious and unconscious brains. And as powerful as that idea is, it becomes even more important if the functioning of, of the brain is deteriorating. Uh, for example, as it occurs in dementia or Alzheimer's disease and other types of cognitive loss. But what we've learned over the last 10 years as an organization is, um, and this is largely thanks to a lot of research and some great studies that are out showing this, but that right. we've seen that music can awaken the brain. And, and with it, the person can really find themselves again. So it's, it's really a, it's not therapy, but it's a therapeutic way of really helping people. Um, and our entire organization is built around the principle that that type of personalized music can really make a difference for people living in, uh, with Alzheimer's and other forms of dementia. So what we do is we provide training for nursing homes and other care organizations to provide personalized music. Um, and, and that's becoming now more important than ever. Um, as you know, because of the ongoing crisis, there are a lot of people who, in, in long-term care who can no longer have visitors. So now right. more than ever, the, the idea of having just music just for a time um, is, is so incredibly valuable. And that's really added extra focus to our work over the last three months. It's really become um, more about how can we get music to everyone in isolation. So it's been an interesting time for our organization, but that's essentially what we're up to. How long have you uh, been a part of the organization? 
Uh, I joined as communications director in 2014, um, mm-hmm. so about four years into the organization. And at that time, um, the organization had already certified, um, I believe, around 1,500 nursing homes. Um, so that's 1,500 trained. That, that was a, already a large community of you know, nurses and uh, nursing assistants and Definitely. directors who were very prepared to provide this. Now, the org- at this point, the organization has certified over 5,000 certified organizations. Oh, wow. In 26 states. Yeah, it's it's really it's really been uh, really been great, and and in addition, um, twenty six states have made uh, the program policy, so all of the care organizations in that state um, become certified too, because they understand um, the impact that this has for those people living in that way, um, and more so, it's been discovered that programmatically, when when something like a music and memory program is embedded in an organization and is successful. There is that always looked for culture change at those care organizations where the staff and the administration really start to feel rooted um, to the task at hand, and everyone really comes closer together. And it's that's the type of sea change that everyone can get a, can really get behind. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you, all you have to do is watch that six-minute clip on the website for you to really feel. I mean, it's such a touching video that uh, you. I know I personally was compelled to really like get involved and try to figure out how we can do more. Um, what led you to the organization in the first place? Well, as a musician myself, I mean, I've been impacted by favorite songs my whole life. Um, mm. Although, you know, I'm I'm sure you are both connected to music as much as I am, but. Yeah, I, I'm sure you can agree that picking your favorite songs is probably pretty hard, right? Yeah, definitely. That's true. Yep. <laughs> At this point, how many how many albums can you even count? I mean, there. As music lovers, we we love it all. But that being said, the music that we listen to between the ages of 15 and 25 actually embeds itself, has embedded itself in our brains, in far more locations, um, and that's what adds to its permanence and why. Even in late stage dementia, if you or I were to hear those songs, it would bring us back. And that's the power of personalized music. It actually activates a person's cognition, even in late stage dementia. And that person can find themselves again, even for a brief moment, and actually talk, reminisce. And that's why we we offer it as a prescription, as medicine, because it brings people back. And we recommend that they offer it 30 minutes before a family visit. And the results, really, as you've seen in the video, can be quite astonishing. Yeah, no kidding. Wow. Do you know why that age, that particular age range, is so important for the memory of music? Well, it's a whole. Uh, there's a lot to that. Um, we right. do have a great video on our website. Uh, we were lucky enough to um, to work with Oliver Sacks. He's a noted neurologist, um, and he wrote a book um, called Musicophilia. And we have a video of him talking about that you know, that process um, on our website, uh, musicandmemory.org. So um, I think, you know, the answer to, to put it simply, the answer to that question is at that point, our brains are just more neurons are firing. And what we're hearing, because music has such a, uh, a connection with our emotions, um, mm-hmm. it becomes rooted in our minds, certainly at that time. And, you, I mean, we can all remember the songs from those days, right? What were you listening to in high school? Oh gosh, I don't even know. I'm kind of embarrassed to say there's so many different things <laughs> I was listening to at the time. 
<laughs> Most of us are, myself included. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess the point is you won't forget it, though. It's, uh, exactly. it's, yeah. it's ingrained. <laughs> yeah. Right. The cringe was real because I instantly remembered and didn't want to say some of them. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> totally fair. That's, but, that's uh, amazing. Tell someone you love, um, particularly your children, you know, who can help you. Uh, sure. It's never too early to start thinking about your own personalized playlist and having those songs around. Just, it's so important for all of us to have music in our lives. I'm sure you guys know. Yeah, oh, yeah no kidding. I never thought of a personalized playlist, though, like a one that's just specific for memories of. I can actually try for the range of 15 to 25. If I can remember some of those songs and make a playlist, that's actually hilarious. That's yeah, amazing. sure. And uh, that's a process we call music detective. That's one of the things that we teach in our training. So we teach the interview process of how to really, uh, in conversation, get that type of information from someone with Alzheimer's or dementia and dementia. Um, and it's an interesting process, and I, I would recommend it for anyone. So 20 to 40 songs of your highest quality, the songs that really resonate with you the most, the ones that make you think of those times, the ones that make you reminisce. Um, those are the ones you're looking for. Um, focus on quality over quantity. Uh, and, and and really just, you know, we, we recommend also listen to a more upbeat one during the day and uh, a quiet one at night. Um, it's great for bringing sleep on. Um, and anyone who, I think anyone who tries that will immediately see the benefits. Plus, it's just a great process for music lovers. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt. make that list. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what it, I just like the challenge of trying to confine my fifteen to twenty five years and in, uh, in a forty in a forty song playlist. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. Do you play any instruments, Justin? I do. I I, I love to compose uh, guitar and piano. I love slow uh, ballads and strings, early Elton John era stuff like that. I'm a sucker for the seventies and anything post punk. Nice. Got you. Okay. Well. So I'm wondering here, because I mean, obviously we know the effects of music. Um, has there been any sort of, I mean, there's been research, but can you speak on the difference between, you know, a live music performance versus people listening to recorded music? Does it show any, you know, similar brain activity between the two? Well, I, that's a great question. I, probably. Um, I think if there's enough in the song, and I think really what you're asking is what is it about the audio yeah. um, that makes a difference? And I, that's a really great question. I'm really glad you raised it. I think, you know, because, but those live situations can also vary. Um, for example, I, I once went to a, an outdoor concert and I was a quarter of a mile away and I could barely hear because of the wind. It blew the sound away. Mm. Um, so that's, but I'm assuming you mean up front, maybe three rows in. No, I, I think just live in general, as opposed to listening to a song through headphones. Definitely. Well, yeah. But so I think headphones for, for headphones, you would have no distractions. Um, right, right, right. I gotcha. think a live yeah. recording, you might. But you definitely, I think, if the song uh, were played with enough attention to the detail in the recording, it would certainly matter. I, you know, and. You can you can go further and think about like what elements of the song that are of value and need to be recreated in the live arena. But uh, yeah, I think overall, if it was a live recording, I think it would work too. People do respond to that. We do have a number of uh, you know music therapy is also the process of providing um, music in that way and in, in like an enriched environment. And I think 
what you're talking about is it might be a little closer to that um but you know it's certainly there's there's a lot of benefit to a, a live performance for someone in that situation as well got it okay so do you see any difference between instrumental music versus music with lyrics um, you know, is it the lyrics that kind of trigger memories and help in that aspect, or is it the melodies? Do you have any insight on that part of it? So I think, you know, I know when I've got something, when I find that marriage between instrument melody and lyrical narrative, you know, I'm a big fan of the troubadour tradition. The lyrics mean a lot to me, but it's not just the lyrics that really get me going with those favorite songs. It's also the way they're placed within the music, so... I think there's a role for each and the way, and I think their role is intertwined, especially mm. when you consider that the music is, we're responding to it emotionally. Right. And that's really what's prompting it to embed in our brains in the way that it does. So I would, I would say maybe both. Got gotcha. it. Okay. And then also just wondering as far as implementing the program into uh, different facilities, different homes, can you just speak a little bit on the training process? I'd be happy to. So we provide the training for long-term care organizations. Um, and what we do is we teach a program that embeds into the organization. And it's really about how we teach how to create an organization-wide personalized music program. So we talk a lot about um, buying um, portable music devices in large volume, where to store them. Um, then the process of music detective, which is what uh, we talked about earlier in this conversation, finding right. those favorite songs. Yeah. Um, and then we talk about how to track it um, using care organization electronic tracking systems. Um, each They all have unique different ones, but essentially it, it just tracks um, health data and, and outcomes. Um, and this being part of, and we try to get music in memory embedded in that so that music is looked at as a therapeutic tool alongside medication. Um, so it's tracked in that way. So we, we teach really embedding it into the, the care organization. And that's really the training that we provide. Because the explanation for, for providing personalized music is really as simple as the one I gave you earlier. There's really no secret sauce to it. But what mm. makes and what has made music and memory successful is our ability to help nursing homes and other care organizations sustain these programs in the long term. Um, we also are looking at providing personalized music on the home front, too. There are obviously a lot of people with loved ones at home who are living with Alzheimer's and dementia, and, and that's a good thing. You know, we want our elders to age in place, as we say. It's better for them. Um, and so Music and Memory is now also looking at ways to provide those services on the home front as well. Obviously a very different audience, but, um, you know, we know that this is really something that will help everyone, so we kind of want to make it available in that way, too. So that's really, in terms of our services, that's really those. That's our two-pronged way of kind of addressing the need that we know is out there. Um, have you guys considered going into any other countries than the ones that you are currently in? We, uh, we yes, <laughs> um, I, and I think that you know, for us, it's. I think in other countries, it would be more about being part of a larger movement that we mm -hmm. see. Uh, there are some countries that are ahead of us in this regard, especially in Europe, um, who are really, um, really seeing music as as the medicine that it should be. So, as we do want to be part of that larger international community, and right now we are certifying organizations abroad. 
There are over 100 certified organizations in Australia. There are a good number in Canada as well. Yeah. Um, and if anyone listening today who is in Canada who wants to know if there's a certified organization near you, just go to our website, musicandmemory.org. We have a map of all certified locations worldwide. So you can just choose Canada in the drop down and see everything that's in Canada, or you can put in a, a postal code um, and it'll show you all the certified organizations um, um, within, I think, 150 miles. And importantly, on that page, you can also filter for open to volunteers. So if anyone here listening, um, uh, to this podcast is interested in volunteering for music and memory, you can volunteer at any one of the certified organizations on that map um, that that uh, site that they're open to volunteers. And you can, we have a whole guide on our website for how to approach them. And, um, you know, please make use of that. There's, there's a, there are a lot of people out there volunteering for music and memory, and it's a great, it's a really great way to get involved and feel good about, about music. Definitely agree, and I hope that a couple of our fans do uh, go and take advantage of that. But for people that might be a little bit less um, keen on the volunteering, how could they go about maybe donating an old iPad or iPod? Sorry. Well, we certainly accept gently used iPods, uh, fourth-generation shuffles specifically, mm-hmm. or any other really small handheld um, music player. Um, the only caveat is that, you know, and we're so grateful for those donations, I should say outright. And thank you to anyone who's considering it, and please do send. There's an address on our website. Um, just package it carefully and restore it to factory settings. That is really the only caveat, which is that um, care organizations can't accept donated equipment that has personal information on it. So we ask that you please delete all your favorite songs and all that other stuff off of it. Yeah. Uh, and then send it to us, and we'll, of course, make use of it. And, you know, beyond that, if you don't have uh, any devices, you know, our, we're a very small organization. Um, you know, we're built on the idea that music matters, and if you believe in that, too, we'll gladly accept a donation um, of any amount, and we promise we'll put it to good use. Is there, besides the iPod donation, is there also an option for individuals to donate cash as well? Is that on the website? That is on the website, and it can all be done that way. Um, and if anyone, we'll really take in a, a donation in almost any way. I mean, we've we've accepted ca- uh, gifts of stock recently. Uh, wow, wow. But, stock! Uh, <laughs> so, well, not too much, but, <laughs> or else we'd be a very different kind of organization at this point. But um, the you know yeah, we'll, just get in touch with us. So anyone who's interested, um, just go email us at info at musicandmemory dot org. Uh, or just go to our website and click on donate, and it'll walk you through um, the process of your choosing uh, for contributing to our cause. And, and I, I'm, I'm so grateful to anyone who considers that. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. Um, the way that I came across the program was through finding the uh, Alive Inside video featuring the gentleman, Henry, who had, and it shows his story of going through the Music and Memory program and you can see how he really comes to life and his memories starts to come back of you know his life just through music that he had enjoyed previously um it's very powerful i'd love to be more involved in the program are there ways or what ways can other people get involved with the music and memory program sure well you know um most of our passion, most passionate volunteers um, volunteer their time at music and memory organizations, often working alongside certified staff to provide personalized music. 
Um, that that's a really the most direct way to do it. Beyond that, you know, we have a number of ambassadors uh, who will actually go and armed with information about the benefits of personalized music, they'll actually speak to care organizations and uh, about the benefits of music and memory certification and help to prepare and guide them for the process of becoming certified. Um, there are also many volunteers who um, have uh, iPod and music device donation drives locally, um, mm. and they also help connect um, those donation drives uh, for nursing homes with the media. Um, the media is often really friendly about the power of music, as, as you can understand, and, and they're very likely to cover uh, small small media or publications are very likely to cover music and memory success stories. So there are a number of ways to help spread the word, um, and we have a lot of that listed on our website and our Get Involved section for anyone who's interested. But those are the primary ways uh, other than uh, a monetary donation. I mean, we do work with our volunteers. For anyone who is interested in volunteering, we do provide an orientation to help them feel prepared to go in and work with those populations and, um, you know, to, to administer music in that way. That sounds good. Thanks so much for that. Now, I don't know how much you can tell us or what you have on the go, but are you able to give us any insight to uh, future plans for the organization? Sure. Um, well, for, we, we really hope to make music a standard in healthcare, I think that's our 30,000 feet goal and ultimately what mm. we're shooting for. That's the biggest part of our mission. We want music to be something that is thought of proactively uh, as a means to heal and to help people live a better life. Um, and to achieve that goal, um, we're moving in a number of directions, largely around education to the public, um, that these ideas are important um, and our training. Right now, our main focus is COVID-related. Um, we're really working on, as I said, beginning of uh, this, that um, you know, it's really about access for those people in nursing homes who are living in isolation. Um, some of them don't have visitors um, just because of state restrictions, and they spend most of their days really sitting in place or lying in place. And um, it's really, it's really a great, great need. Um, and you know. We're rushing to provide resources and support to those organizations in the form of, you know, uh, help with playlists and, you know, um, any kind of free training that we could provide. And we're also working on um, providing tablets, too, so that um, seniors can have Zoom visits with family members. Um, so we're working on it from the perspective of personalized music, but we're also just trying to connect people at this time because that's really where the greatest need is. So our organization, uh, while we're still training, we're really focused on those areas as well. We that's want to incredible. help. That's beautiful. That and uh, yeah. it's part of the reason why we wanted to try to spread your message is because of the wonderful work that you and your organization does. Uh, I can't say thank you enough, Justin. Is there anything else you want to maybe let our listeners know before we let you go? Thanks so much for having me, guys. If anyone is interested in learning more about the power of music, please, please visit musicandmemory.org today um, and be in touch. Let us know what you think. Thanks so much, guys. No, we really, really appreciate it. And I'm going to purposely make an active effort to, to do more to kind of support this, whether through a drive or just through sending up posts in my social, because it's, uh, watching that video really changed my perspective on, on the Music and Memory organization. Thank you again. Thank you so much. Glad to hear it and let us know how we can help you.
As a podcaster, you know that great content is only half the battle. The other half is finding the right hosting platform to reach your audience. That's where Captivate comes in. With unlimited podcasts, advanced analytics, and personalized support, Captivate has everything you need to grow your audience and monetize your show. Join the thousands of successful podcasters just like us who trust Captivate for their hosting needs. Visit dnaairwaves.com slash Captivate today to start your free trial.